How many is ready for the word of the Lord? Let me hear you say amen. Today, I want to talk to you about the thought, my calling versus my pain. My calling versus my pain. The last thing Jesus said to us as he was ascended to heaven, what did he say? Go. He said, go make disciples. Go share the good news that I've shared to you. Go tell others what I've taught you. Go make those disciples. Go tell what I've taught you to do. I will be with you. He goes, I'll be with you every step of the way. I'll be with you every step of this journey. I will be with you into the ends of the ages. Now, it's our commission. We're all called. We all have a calling. Callings are not just for pastors. All of us have been called. We've all been commissioned by Jesus to share the good news of the gospel. The problem is this, that oftentimes our problems overtake our calling. Pastor, I'll get to my calling when my problems settle down. When I work out my problems, I'll get to my calling. Let's look what Jesus said in John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that you, in me, you will have what? Peace. In this world, you will have, you will have trouble. You're going to have some problems. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So this summer, we've been talking about taking heart, having a spiritual grit and tenacity about you, that we are just like not everybody else in the world, but when you accept Jesus, you receive a new heart, you receive a new spirit, and it's a spirit of tenacity that doesn't allow you to give up when the going gets tough. Matter of fact, you, you walk and you thrive in the middle of the problems. That's the way God designed us. We thrive we shined our best when we're walking through the hardest seasons of our life. What we need to understand that God has never separated us having problems and walking out our fullest life. Look what it says here in John 10, 10. The thief, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is telling us, all right, He's going to be there. He's going to cause you some problems. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the, what? The fullest. Jesus said we would live our life to the fullest in him. But the problem that we face, the problems that we struggle with is this. We think that living our fullest life means that I have to be in a place of no problems. All right, now here I can serve. Now here I can give. Now here I can shine. Now here I can live my life to the fullest. I can serve out my calling. But this is so untrue because Jesus said this, you're gonna have problems. The thief is gonna cause you problems. But he goes, don't forget that in the middle of your problems, you can have the fullness of joy. See, the problem is this. If we only wait until we have no problems, 
we're going to be waiting a long time. I mean, think about it. Remember when you're in high school? If I could just graduate high school, I can get away from all this high school drama. I'll quit having everybody tell me what to do all the time. I can be in charge of my own life. And then we graduate high school and maybe we go to college, hopefully, and we get there, we're like, well, how am I going to pay for this college? If I could just pay my school bill, if I could just get a grant, if I could just get a scholarship, if I could just get a better paying job, if I, I could just, man, all these papers, all these assignments, all these tests, all these school bills, if I could... If I could ever get out of college, man, my life is going to be so much easier. And then we graduate and we get that job and what do we do? Oh, man, man, uh, you know, all of a sudden I got a boss that expects me to be here really, really early and really, really late. He wants me to work on Saturdays. Time out. College football's on Saturdays. I can't be working on Saturdays. If I could just get married, if I could just find that one, then my problems will be all over. I'll quit struggling with my flesh so much. If I could just get married, I won't have so much lust when I get married. <laughs> Tell yourself that, right? If I could just get married, my problems will all be fixed. And then you get married, you realize, boy, my problems just doubled. <laughs> Not only do I have myself to mess with, now I got somebody else. And it's not easy. But you know what would make us happy? If we could just get our first home. But how are we going to afford our first home? Have you seen what they want for a down payment? I can't get qualified. and I'm going to take another job and another job. And we're scraping by. If I could just get out of paying rent and lease, I could get into our own home. Well, what would I have so many problems? And then you buy a home and, man, you know how much it costs to keep a home going? <laughs> Repairs happening. They want me to pay insurance on this house. Lawn care. They're going to charge me to pick up the trash. Doesn't stop, does it? Boy, this mortgage is going up. Oh, my, mm, my problem. Oh, if we could just have kids then our problems will be a lot less because then we'll be so much happier. You struggle, and then finally maybe you, you have kids and you realize, I ain't ever getting to sleep again. If I could just get past these baby years, I just want my sleep, and I'm tired of changing dirty diapers, and I'm tired of paying $500 for formula and diapers, and my Lord, this is killing me. How are we ever going to get through this? If we could just get them out of diapers and then they're going to become preschoolers and you're like oh my lord what happened to this devil child I don't know <laughs> they're going crazy if I could just get them if I could just get them into school where I get child care because you know how expensive it is for child care I get to the school at least I don't have to pay for child care and my kids are growing up and they get into school and all of a sudden you got to deal with teachers and parent-teacher conferences and your kid getting called out of class, your kid bullying somebody else or fighting somebody else, you're dealing with all the stress and then they want 
but money for this team and money for this club and money for this uniform, money for this instrument. And you're, oh, if I could just get these kids through teenage years, then they get into high school and they want cars and insurance and they want independence. And they, you're like, oh, if I could just get my kids raised, and out of, my problems will get so much easier. And you get your kids raised and they graduate and they're out. And then all of a sudden you realize now I've got to take care of my mom and dad. Now mom and dad are at that age. They need a little more of my help. I need a little more of my attention. And now my kids aren't fully away from me. So my kids need my attention. My mom and dad need my attention. Where do I? What I'm telling you is this. If you wait until you have no problems to live out your fullest life that God intended for you. You'll never, ever live it out. But Jesus said, hey, take heart. I've come to give you fullest life in the middle of your problems, in the middle of your difficult season. This is where the testimony happens through your hardest season that you can walk in and say, you know what? I'm living a joyful life. I'm living a joy filled life, even though through my tears, I'm laughing again, even through my problems. I know there's hope even through my darkest hour. I can see the sun shining around the corner. I see it. I know it because God is at work. And he says this, take heart. I've come to give you joy. I've come to give you peace. I've come to give you your fullest life. Stop waiting on your fullest life to be to the right time because there, ever, there never is no right time. The time is now. He wants you to walk now. Come on to the section to my right. He wants you to walk now in your fullest life. He wants you to walk now. Come on, middle section. He wants you to walk now. He wants you to walk now. Come on, he wants you to walk now. I don't wait. Now is the time. So how do I do it? How do we do it, Pastor? How do, how do we walk in that promise? How do we walk in that fullest life? Well, I'm glad you asked because we have a great example. I mean, think about Paul. Paul went through so much in his life. Look at this list of things Paul went through. The apostle Paul, he wrote so many things that we use in our New Testament now. But remember, he was thrown into prison almost everywhere he went. Did he, did he do any wrong? No. Why was he thrown in prison? Because he was simply sharing Jesus. And because of his answer to share Jesus, he was thrown in the prison almost everywhere he went. He was, the Bible says he was flogged close to death on five different times. They whipped him 40 times. Remember they did it to Jesus as well. Paul went through it five times, having his flesh ripped off of his back and his body. Five different times he was left. It says they beat him with rods. It says they stoned him I'm not talking about 420. I'm not talking about medically either. I'm talking about with real rocks. Let's get it right. I got to make sure I got clarified this day and age. This generation the like, cool, man, Paul, okay. No, they took rocks. Took rocks and they tried to kill him. They threw rocks at him to the point of death. He was shipwrecked three times. You think Gilligan had it bad. Shipwrecked three times. Lost at sea. He had a snake bite. He dealt with hunger and thirst. He had so much he had to deal with. 
had so many, I mean, his problems went on and on. He spent his life chained up to prison guards. And what did he tell us? When he, when he wrote to the Philippian church, he had been through all these things already. And he was in the middle of dealing with many of them. Through his scars, through his pain, through his problems, he gives us instruction. I want what Paul has. Look what it says in Philippians 1, 3, and 6. Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Time out. If I was writing something from prison, it would be this. Come break me out. Get me out of the rock. Come on now. Send chisel, please. You know, anything. Someone come and get me out of this prison. This is horrible. This is, he didn't do that. What was his first words to him? I, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Are you kidding me? In the middle of prison, after everything you've been through, you always pray with joy? Because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident. His confidence not shook. It's right there. Of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. We see something here that Paul had joy. He had confidence. He had peace. Why? Because he knew that fulfillment didn't happen with no problems. Fulfillment came through his relationship with Jesus Christ. He understood it. It was a game changer for him. And we see how it changed his whole reaction, his whole ministry. He's living in freedom right now. He's not living in freedom when he's out of prison. He was living freedom in the middle of the prison. So I want what he has. I want to live my life free, even in the middle of my hardest season. How do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Write this down. Number one, my situation doesn't get to steal my calling. My situation doesn't get to steal my calling. Paul found a supernatural joy while experiencing his most hardest times. We get distracted too easy by our problems. I got problems. I can't serve. I got problems. I can't shine. I got problems. I got to whine. Ah, come on now. I've got problems. Hello. Look around. I got news for you. We all have problems. All of us have problems and all of us have things where we're, whether you know about it or not, we all go through seasons of hard times. And we're going to have, have them. Jesus warned us, listen, it's going to be tough. It's going to be some problems you're going to face. He warned us, hey, and Paul went through it and he understood it. But yet he says, I thank God for you. My joy is full. My, my peace is there. I'm praying for you all the time. You can walk in your calling while you're experiencing your great problems. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Paul says, each of you should continue to live in whatever can't get away from that. Whatever situation the Lord has placed you, whatever you're in, whatever season you're in, whatever situation, we continue to live there and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. That's us. 
He's saying, I want you, when God calls you, when you give your life to Jesus, he called you to tell other people about it. He called us to love others, to be his hands and feet to others. He commissioned us to go. And he goes, you are, no matter what season you're in, we never lose that calling. We remain in that calling. We remain right there. That's where he wants us. I'm going to live out my calling from right here. God has me where I am. I must embrace it. Don't have to like it. And pray that God will help you find the purpose. Which is number two. There's purpose in this pain. Realizing there is purpose to my pain. Do you think Paul would have ever slowed down if he hadn't been to prison? If you look at his life, that was not his character. He was always traveling, trying to plant as many churches as possible, trying to spread the good news. He, his life had been radically changed for Jesus. So now he was doing everything he could to tell everybody he could about Jesus. So when he's found himself beaten, put in prison, chained up to prison guards, what's he do? Well, I got all these problems, but hey, guess what? They will let me write letters in prison. So you know what? I'm going to write these letters to prison. Hopefully they'll get there. What was he doing? He's like, there ain't no prison going to hold my body down. Come on now. There ain't nothing going to stop me. I'm, I'm going to do what I can. And so while he's there, what did he do? Can you imagine, Paul? He was, the chains were chained up to the prison guards. The prison guards could not leave Paul. They had to stay. They had to listen to him preach. They, he had a podcast every day, and they had to listen. He's writing letters. He had no idea what was going on at this time. He didn't stop it. There's, there's always a purpose. Listen, if you're called of God, God causes all things to work together for good for those that are called to his purpose. He, yeah, he may not have caused it to be pain, but he'll take that pain and turn it around for good. Use it for good in our life. Genesis 50, 20 is a great story. Remember Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers in the pit, bought by Potiphar's house, lied upon by Potiphar's house, put him in prison, spent years in prison. Finally, one day, he interprets the king's dream. He elevates in second command after all those years in a slave, all those years separated from his family because his brother sold him off. And then when he's second in command of Egypt and there's a famine, who shows up but his own family? Thinking he had been killed only to recognize the Joseph, our brother that we sold off and betrayed. It's now the one we got to come and ask for food. And look what he tells them. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, when I live my life to the fullest, I realize that my problems are real, but if I hang on to Jesus, he'll turn my problems around for the saving of many people. Anybody can have a testimony right here. Great. Yeah, you're being blessed. You don't have any problems. Yeah, you ain't got joy. You ain't got no problems. Walk a mile in my shoes. 
This is where the real testimony happens. This is where he really wants us to live our life to the fullest. It's because it's here that we reach many people. It's here that people say, I want what she has. I want what he has. They're going through the hard time, and yet they haven't given up. God is blessing them. Look at verses 12 through 14 of Philippians 1. He continues to tell us, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything... All the scars, all the beatings, all the imprisonment, everything, the stoning, all of it, snake bit, all these things have happened to me here has helped spread the good news for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. These guards know this man's being imprisoned because of what he teaches about Jesus. And yet, after they tried to kill him, after they've beaten him, after they've whipped him, after they chained him up, he sits there and tells them about Jesus. I mean, he goes, this, this is meant for bad, but you know what? There's a lot of good coming out of it. And because they're doing this to me, you guys are now spreading the gospel. You guys are now encouraging other, you guys are helping me now. You're like, whoa, we're going to spread it. He goes, so what? The enemy meant for evil. God is turning it around for good. My chains are building faith. My pain is teaching people. My pain has a purpose. God comforts us in all of our trouble so we can comfort others in their struggle. Paul said, I'm going. I'm going, man. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to put some purpose with this pain. I'm not going to sit here in the middle of my problems and give up. I'm going to at least do what I can do. And I'll help you with my pain. I'll teach you out of my pain. My pain can build confidence in you. My pain can inspire you. And number three, you got to remember, remember your calling. We're all called. We're all in the people business. We're all called to love others. We're all called to be his hands and feet. We're all called to shine in the middle of the darkest hours. Don't forget it. Even in my problems, I don't forget God is wanting to work through me. Don't let yourself be so consumed with your problems. This is what we do. I got problems. And so I'm just going to sit here with my problems and I'm just going to learn to isolate myself during my problems. My problems are going to keep me isolated. My problems, I, I can't, no, I can't. Just too, my problems are here. My problems are isolating me. Listen, don't let isolation happen when you go through problems. We're here to love each other. We're here to pray one for another. We're here to encourage each other. And what you don't understand is this, is that through your reaching out, don't forget your calling, your call to encourage other. Paul was hurting but he reached out. Paul got set free in prison. Remember, he stopped. He didn't escape. Wait, if I go, they're going to kill this guard. Hey, dude, it's all right. I'm not leaving. Yeah, God set me free. Yes, God, these angels came and opened the doors to the prison. The chains fell off. Remember when him and Silas were praying in the midnight hour and all that happened? He didn't leave. He goes, don't, don't, don't kill yourself. I'll stick around, dude. What kind of testimony was that? 
Through his problems, he was worried about the prison guard. Probably was one of the guys who helped beat him. He says, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm in problems, but I'm praying for you. I'm hurting, I have problems, but I'm thanking God for you. I'm crying for you, I'm missing you. I'm encouraging you, I'm equipping you, I'm building you. He was frustrated, but he was still walking in his calling and in his life to the fullest because he understood that living your life to the fullest had nothing to do with my situation. It had everything to do with what Jesus has already done on the cross. He understood that. He understood that who the son has set free is free. That means he's free when he has no problems and he's free even when he has the problems. I don't believe that. Well, have you ever read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Tied up, put in the fiery furnace, and they were walking around free because God was walking in there with him. He was trying to show us a foreshadowing here. We see it. Paul's walking it out. My prayer, God, I'm hurting. Right now, I'm hurting. But who am I going to help through my hurt? God, I'm crying, but... Who can I help through my tears? God, I'm struggling, but who can I serve through my struggle? You see, the more I give, the more I receive. Proverbs eleven twenty five. look what it says. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will what? Themselves be refreshed. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That means when I'm going through my problems, when I begin to help somebody else through their problems, I'm refreshing them and I'm getting refreshing at the same time. See what happens when I put my focus on your problems and I start helping you through your problems, my problems get behind me. And I'm just staring at them all day. Boy, look how big my problems are. I got so many problems. We stare at them, but when I turn around and, hey, you're hurting, how can I help you? Man, how, hey man, how can I pray for you? Don't give up, man. Don't, oh man, can, can I do anything? Let me encourage you. Let's go get some lunch. What can I do to encourage you? Can, can I do anything? As I do that, all of a sudden look back and go, you know what? I kind of forgot about my problems for a while. I, I, I'm getting, my problems don't seem near as big as they did a couple of days ago. God uses me helping others. So the more I go, and I help others begin to elevate, the more I have to say, you got a problem? Let me help you up. Let's get you a little bit higher today. Let's take you to another level today. And the more I help them up, their joy is growing. And all of a sudden, my joy is growing. They're getting renewed. I'm getting renewed. My, my heart is growing in faith, and their heart's growing in faith. It renews me. It builds me. It's the way God designed us. It's healing. He designed us to help others because it brings healing to our spirit as well. And the last thing, number four, never underestimate what I have to offer. Never underestimate what I have to offer. Paul had no ideas that as he's writing these letters from prison, chained up to a prison guard, that it would become the New Testament. He didn't know that what would happen with the gospel later on. He wouldn't realize that even today we're studying and people are being inspired and being instructed how to grow in God, how to be encouraged in God. He had no idea the impact he was making just by doing what he could do at the time. 
You have no idea the impact you make when you're in the middle of your hardest season and you just do what you can. It may not seem like a lot, but you say, you know what? I'm going to live my life to the fullest and every breath I got. I'm not going to sit around feeling sorry for myself, but I'm going to give it all to God. I'm going to give it all to Jesus. I'm going to give it all because there I can live life to the fullest. Proverbs 12, 6 through 8. He tells us, hey, when you're in the middle of your problems, in the middle of your problems, the way he says, never underestimate your problems. Never, never, never underestimate your problem. But he says this, in the middle of your problems, in his grace, God has given us different gifts. In the middle of your problems, do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, I know you're going through a problem, but speak it out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is encouragement, then be encouraging. If it's giving, then be generous. If God has given you the gift of leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Not here. 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 When I use my gifts, Pastor, it doesn't seem like a lot. Let me tell you, those shoes you had in your closet that were just collecting dust didn't seem like a lot. Why do I want to take and donate these downtown? And some, I walk in with a couple pair of shoes. Wow, the need's so big. It doesn't seem like it's making a big difference. But you brought your gift today and looked together. Hundreds and hundreds of shoes up along the front. We're going to make a big difference together. Remember, remember, little boy, with some couple of fishes and a couple of pieces of bread, your gift can be multiplied to feed thousands. Remember, widow, it doesn't look like a lot when you just have enough meal for you and your son in the middle of a famine and you just give the little gift you have and God makes it multiply and last throughout the whole famine. See, God multiplies what we have. Uh, the problem is this. We always overestimate what we don't have and we underestimate what we do have because we got to realize this. It don't seem like a lot, but in the hands of Jesus, it's a lot. Don't underestimate what you have to give. I don't have a lot. Yeah, you do. You never know whose smile you're, you're going to encourage today. You never know that prayer is going to be exactly what that person needs. You never know that hug was exactly what they needed. That text, that phone call was exactly what they needed. And maybe you needed it worse. But you did it anyway. Stop it. Comparing your gifts to other people. Uh, the Bible has so much to say about that. Stop comparing your gifts. You are uniquely called, uniquely given gifts that God wants to use. We're not judged on the gifts we have. We're judged on how we use the gifts he's given us. Use it. Use it here. Use it here. I want to close with this story. There's a story about a lady who ran a Chicago mission. Her husband ran the mission and she helped him. And 
downtown Chicago. Late 1800s, she was helping, and every night her husband would preach this open tent. They had a mission, and they were reaching people, trying to feed people, and a professional baseball team was in town that night playing in Chicago, and some of the guys went out after the game, and they were walking by, and they saw this tent and heard this guy speaking, and they sat down on the curb, began to listen for a few moments, and next thing you know, they listened to the whole service. There was a guy there by the name of Billy Sunday, famous baseball player. And Billy said, I, I, there's something to this. I got to keep coming back. So he kept coming back. Night after night, he would come back and he would sit in those services and they would give an altar call and people would come down and give their heart to, to Jesus. But Billy, even though he was being moved and coming back night after night, for whatever reason, he, he never went to give his heart to Jesus. Something was holding him back. I don't know if it was fear. We don't know exactly what it was, but something was holding Billy back. Maybe it was the thought of, I'm a famous baseball player, and if I do it, it's going to be headlines. I, I don't know what he was thinking, but for whatever reason, he just, he was so scared to make that step. And in his fifth night of coming to the revival, Mrs. Clark, the wife of the husband who ran the mission, Billy said it was like a mother come over and begin to talk to me. She put her arm around me, and my heart melted right away. And she said, son, do you know Jesus? And in a motherly, lovely way, she talked him through what Jesus was all about. And she led him to Jesus right there in that meeting. Billy's life was forever changed. He quit baseball and said, I, I've, got to, I've got to share the gospel. And the same zeal that he used to play baseball, all of a sudden he started playing, having revival services. And where he went, people were writing newspaper articles. Remember, this is before they had TV and the internet. So he was drawing big crowds and they would draw, write big articles about this famous baseball player, Billy Sunday, who was sharing the gospel. And people would come out and the crowds would show up and they said that over a million people was led to the Lord. He's considered the greatest evangelist in the early 19th century. Over a million people in a time before we had technology gave their heart one at a time in Billy's crusades and Billy's revival meetings. And he led on the street. One of those people in one of the revival meetings, his name was Mordecai Ham, and Mordecai was there, and he gave his life to Jesus in Billy's crusade. Years later, Mordecai began to preach and felt the call to be an evangelist, and he started preaching the gospel, was holding revivals from city to city. And one night, a young boy came to his service and came and gave his heart to Jesus for the first time. That young man's name was Billy Graham. See, everybody knows, everybody knows Billy Graham and the millions upon millions upon millions upon millions around the world that he's led to Jesus. Hosting network TVs in the middle of primetime crusades when no one had ever done that. Packing out stadiums when nobody had ever done that. Everybody knows Billy Graham and a lot of people know who Billy Sunday is, but nobody knows Mrs. Clark. But without Mrs. Clark, Come on, Mrs. Clark. You know, without Mrs. Clark. Without Mrs. Clark, there would have been no Billy Sunday, probably. And chances are there may not have been a Billy Graham. You never know. You never know. Through her struggle, thinking, how are we going to keep this place open? We don't have enough money, enough food. We're trying to just do some things here. And through her problems, she motherly loves a young man who gives his heart to Jesus and changes the destiny of millions and millions of people. 
through your pain, through your pain, continue to serve, continue to share. Through your pain, you don't know who you're reaching. You don't know who that one that you're reaching may make a world of difference. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. We thank you that Paul took time to write us, to encourage us how to live through the hard seasons of life. And that season starts right here. The first decision is a decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says we must believe that he died upon the cross for our sins. We must believe that he was resurrected. We must believe today that he died for me. It's one thing to believe he is the Messiah. It's another thing to confess it with your mouth. He says, you believe it and you confess it with your mouth. So today, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, we won't do anything. We're not going to single you out. We're not going to embarrass you, I promise you. But if you'll say today, Pastor, where I'm sitting today, I want you to know, I want to accept Jesus Christ. Can you just raise your hand? Let me see it right now. Let me see it. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? Today's your day. You're ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Thank you. I see those hands. You're the reason why we're here today. Jesus wanted you to know how much he loves you. And in the middle of your problems, you can never get there on your own. It's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you raised your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me out loud. And as Christians sitting around you, we'll help you along. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you and I will follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name.